Thanks, God. Okay. You know every time I'm up here, i got to make a point, right? Tonight we're going to talk about integrity. Integrity in our personal lives and integrity in the body of Christ. And you can tell by that song that we were not integrated. <laughs> right? So if you want to turn, open your Bibles, we're going to start out. Let me get over there. Uh, basically go to Acts 20, 29 through 30 is where we're going to start out. Let's have a word of prayer and we will start to talk about integrity as believers and as the body of Christ. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you that your word is always true. There's never an error. There's never a mistake. There's never a, something we can say, hey, that doesn't make sense. You always make sense. And you always put the cookies on the bottom shelf so we can get to them. None of this is too difficult for us. Help us to, as it says, the Shema, to hear and do what you've called us to do. That you may be glorified and we may praise your name. All this we pray in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, I had the band do that for me because... One of the things I've learned, I, was, I spent some time in a South African uh, prison. Not the way you think. <laughs> I was, I, in 2019, I spent three months in South Africa, and one of the gentlemen there took me to the prison a couple times a week. And one of the young men there said, Hey, can you teach us something about integrity? And I was like, Oh. That's an interesting subject. And I, so all of a sudden God hit me and said, okay, here's what you got. So wrote it down and I'm just going to give you what God gave me. Uh, integrity is the idea of mind, spirit, conscious, conscience, emotion, and actions all in tune to the same thing. Internal consistency as opposed to hypocrisy, which I like to call hypocrisy uh, play acting, because that's basically what hypocrisy is. You're, you're, you put on a mask, you play a role, and everybody's going like, oh, you did so wonderful, but it's a lie, right? Anybody know where the word integrity comes from? Some of the school teachers here might remember that. Anybody? Integer. Anybody know what an integer is? We all do now. A whole number, right? An integer is a whole number. So the idea of integrity is to be whole. All of you is all the same, pointing the same direction, doing exactly what you're called to do. And in our case, doing exactly what God called us to do. But in the Bible, we have, we have the idea of fractions. And you would say, fractions? I don't see any fractions in the Bible. Well, there's a lot of math in the Bible. It's just not, it doesn't show up the way you and I think of it. Think of the idea as faction. Just take the R off. A faction. What's a faction? A faction is a small, organized, dissenting group within a larger one. A part of your group, as within a government, that is often contentious or self-seeking. Sound familiar in some of, the, some of our churches? <laughs> Everybody goes, oh, Lord help us. Okay. This is the epitome of dis- disintegration. They're supposed to be part of the whole 
but have decided to be a fraction within the whole. Let's turn to Acts 20, 29 through 30. This is where we get that idea of a fraction or a faction. Paul is speaking to the elders from Ephesus, and he says, For I know this, that after my departure will grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves will men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples from, for, uh, after themselves. Right? So you got this nice church going on. And I, had, I was in a church where this happened. We have this great church, and one guy comes in teaching hyper-Calvinism in his Sunday school class. What's he doing? He's drawing. So we have a whole church. Now we have a faction in the church. He's drawing people away to his way of thinking, right? And after a while, what happens? That whole now becomes a fraction or a piece of where it should have been the whole, right? Then we have the idea of a mixed number. I know I'm going mathematics on you. But you have a whole number, like I said, integer, integrity. We're supposed to be one. So, but a mixed number is the idea out of Acts 15, 1 through 2. Yeah, Acts 15, 1 and 2. And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brothers... And said, unless you be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. When therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders about this question. So what do we have there? You have the the totality of Christ, right? His finished work of salvation done and these guys say oh no you need to add something to it right you need to add a third to it you need to add just one more thing to it or this idea galatians 3 1 through 4 oh foolish galatians who has bewitched you that you should not you should not obey the truth before whose eyes jesus christ has been evidently set forth crucified among you this only would i learn of you did you receive the spirit by the work of the law or by the hearing of faith Are you so foolish? Having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if it is yet in vain? Paul was extremely contentious in both of these situations. Because the people were trying to add something to the whole and complete and finished work of Christ Jesus. Like adding a third of Judaism, a smidge of Gnosticism, a pinch of mysticism. God forbid, right? But that's our church today sometimes, right? And God forbid it be us, right? Where we we haven't become integrated. So the idea of something integrated, integrity, is this. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. That's 1 Timothy 2, 5 and 6. You notice how God uses the the number one so often when he talks about himself. I am one God, right? And we know God is a triune God, but it's still only one Father, one Son, one Holy Spirit. 
right? There's not this whole plethora of, oh my goodness, if you look at the Hindu gods or some of the other ones, it's a pantheon of gods. Who do you even worship? God's like, one. If you're going to be integrated, you got to be one. You got to be whole. You can't be fractioned. You can't add something to it. And the other idea is Ephesians 4, 4 through 6. There is one body and one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, and through all, and in you all. We as the body of Christ, we as individuals, sometimes miss this. We find ourselves just, I have to use the word, disintegrated, right? We're, kinda, we're trying to do this thing. We're trying to do that thing where God has called you to one thing. There's a silly line in City Slickers, right? You guys probably know where I'm going, right? He's talking to Curly Joe. And he says, he's gone through this uh, midlife crisis. He's out, you know, wrangling cattle. And Curly Joe tells him, it's the one thing. He says, how do you know what the one thing is? You'll know it. For us, we know what it is. It's a singular focus on Jesus Christ to do his will that he would be glorified. Right? But when we're dealing with the world, we have a, something a little different. And I'll get back to us and the church. But when we're dealing with the world, this is what we usually end up with. And I'm going to read. This is a long read, but I'm going to get to the point. Uh, 2 Timothy 2, 22 through 26. It says, flee also, also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strife. Now the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle to all men, able to teach patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. If God perhaps will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may, re- they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. We might think about atheism, which is kind of my, one of my favorite things when people say, ah, theism, right? Is that an oxymoron to you? If you think, really think hard about it. I, as a created being, as saying, am saying, there's no being supreme. There's no being higher than me. Wait, you were born by your parents, which means you weren't all that, Right? So how, what gives you the place to judge whether there's a supreme being? So it's an oxymoron of, in, in every way. It's one thing to say I'm an agnostic. I don't know. It's, it's better if you say I'm an agnostic and apathetic. That would be truthful. I don't know and I don't care, right? I want to do what I want to do. I'm going to live my life. Don't really care what there's a God up there. There's a God down here, whatever. But to say you're an atheist If Jehovah God is not the supreme being, then someone else is trying to take the place of him. And there are many candidates. They always want to, atheists always want to argue with Christians with regard to only one true God and sovereign creator. But the argument is not with us. It's with themselves. 
even more correctly, it's within themselves, right? Because they oppose themselves. When you get that ferocious email because somebody finds out you're a Christian or that, uh, that B rating from a store clerk because you happen to say something spiritual to the other person, don't take it personal. When you throw a rock in the pack of dogs, the one it hits is the one that yells. When you're godly and you're singularly focused on God and you're doing his will, somebody's going to scream. And they're usually going to scream at you, but it's not because of you. It's because, as Timothy said, we're trying to instruct them because they oppose themselves. They're disintegrated. They're in pieces. And the only way to try to fix it is to take it out on you. Right? That's the way this works. I can't fix me, so I'm going to make everybody around me miserable. Right? Proverbs 11.3 says, The integrity of the upright will guide him, but the firstness of the transgressor, transgressor will destroy them. That idea of perverseness is crookedness, crooked dealing, or distortion. You ever get that distorted sound from people who know you're a Christian, who know you're singularly focused to do his will, to live a life pleasing to him, and you get to catch the flack for it? Obviously, we're all going to face that, right? But as I said, they're disintegrated. You're not. You have the integrity that God has put inside of you. The idea for us is to keep it and hold on to it. And like I said, as I go further, we're going to look at that. Romans 1, 18 through 32 is the perfect example of disintegration in the world. And those of you guys who kind of know that or study that, you know it's, it is. It's a great example. It tells us everything we need to do of what, it, what the world will look like when it is disintegrating. Right? For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness because that which may be known of God is obvious or manifest in them, for God has showed it to them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world, world are clearly seen. No one can say, hey, there's no God. Wait, okay. Are you a created being? Well, yeah. Where'd you come from? My mama. Where'd your mama come from? Her mama. Where'd you? Right? Back, 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 back. Something had to create this. Someone. Better yet. So it's clearly seen. It's obvious to them that they are not here by some random chance. Being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and divinity, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful but became vain in their imagination, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into images made like to corruptible man, to birds, and to four-footed beasts and creeping things. Here's where the disintegration starts. When you choose to put something in the place of God, and I don't care what it is, I don't care how good you think it is, I don't care how wonderful it is. I don't care how wonderful your job is, your wife, your kids. This is the start of a disintegration here. This is the worst side of it. 
but it happens to us as well. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worship and serve the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. So first, when they decide, hey, I want my own way, I don't really care what God says, he gives them up, right? And I've heard many testimonies from people where God came to them and said, okay, if you don't do my will now, I'm done with you, right? I don't know if any of you have that testimony where God says, I'm done. And what do you do? You turn your heart back to God because who wants him to be done with us? Because that's what he's saying. He gave them up. For this God gave them, he, then, he, then he gives them up to vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burning in their lust one towards another. Men with men working that which is unnatural, unseemingly. And received in themselves the, recomp- the repayment of their error which was appropriate. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind. So now their heart, soul, and body has been given over to something that is going to destroy them. Talk about disintegration, right? Because the idea of integrity is always with an ethical, moral values in mind and those that please God. It's not that which, is, which we say, oh, but he's fully doing, his, doing the thing. Yeah, but he's living a life to displease God. And that's not integrity. If you read the definition, it always talks about the honesty and the consistency of character that should be inside of us. But disintegration... Every bit of them just flies apart. There is nothing inside of them that is kept intact. But why? Because God gave them over. He continues to give them over. Over and over because they did not want to retain the knowledge of him. They changed the use of things that should have been natural to things that are unnatural. Right? And then he goes on to say in Romans 2, For when the Gentiles which have not the law do by nature the things contained in the law, they have not the law, are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts, the means while accusing or else excusing one another in the day which God will judge the secret of men's hearts by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. This is where we don't want to be. But this is the world we live in. All that I read, that's the world. When you walk out that door, you're seeing a complete dichotomy. When you and I grew up, especially Dean and some of you older ones, when we grew up, people went to church because they did. Not because they were Christian, but because that was what you did. You lived a moral life. You lived in kindness. You lived in thoughtfulness to your neighbors. Right? People were were in need. You helped out. Now, try that. Try that. God is separating the sheep from the goats. And when you step out that door, if you're not fully integrated, they will rip you apart too. Why? Because you're depending on yourself. You're not depending on God. Right? That's the difference here. The world is flying apart 
very quickly. And we're sitting here going like, wow, I didn't think it happened in my lifetime. Right? I know many of you, I didn't. I never thought it would. I thought it would be the next generation. No, it's happening right in front of you. Right? So then what do we do about it? Well, first, we got to work on us. I got to work on me. I don't blame you guys. It's probably me. Right? I'm sure. <laughs> right? Let's get to the good side. Romans 1, Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you for this reason, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's the start of integrity. There's a joke among evangelicals say, the problem with a living sacrifice is it keeps crawling off the altar. If you've ever heard that, right? Because God says, I want you dead, right? He does. He wants you dead to sin and alive to God. But in order for him to kill the sin in you, he's got to get you on the altar and hold you down long enough to kill it, right? And you're like, no, no, I kind of like that sin. That one's so fun, right? And sometimes, as I had a conversation with a young man, sometimes it may not even be a sin. It may be a weight that's keeping you from fully running for God, right? Sometimes we have habits and things we like to pick up, and they have a way of disintegrating us from the focus we're supposed to have. Because we get so locked into this thing, it's like, oh, I got to do it, I got to have it. And God's like, distraction, distraction. You're like, no, God, I got this. Distraction, stop. We're like, no, I got this. I'm guilty of it, I don't know about you. Got myself all off track. And I'm from a musical family, right? But I got myself so caught up in music that I found myself disintegrating, right? Well, God has a way of disintegrating the things around you to get your attention, <laughs> which that's what he did for me. But this is the idea. We need to present ourselves a living sacrifice, saying, God, I'm yours. Do what you want. I'll be singularly focused on you. I like the idea of the message Bible. And this is Eugene Peterson. This is not that other crazy Bible that's out there. This is Eugene Peterson. He was a a pastor from uh, Presbyterian Church USA before it went rogue, okay? So he took just, he just tried to make the idea of this verse plain in a language you and I understand. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, going to work, and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without ever thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you, right? Isn't that what we want? 
Isn't that the integrity that we're looking for? That he is forming us to his image? Not because we deserve it. Or not because I'm better than Dean. I got a better life. No. Because if we realize we've all been rebellious at some point in time. Oh, I can remember somebody else was rebellious and got kicked out of heaven. Right? So that's not who we want to be. We want to find ourselves obedient. So what I did is I challenged the men that I was talking to with this. I said, how many lives are we living? How many lives are we living? And you're kind of going like, what? I said, are we living one life as obedient servants of Jesus Christ? Or are we living lives to please the different groups of people around us? Do you live one life to please your wife? Do you live another life to please your kids? You live another life to please your relatives, maybe one to please your church, one to please your job, and one so you look good in the community, right? That's where we get off base. We start living these lives for different people, for different reasons. Why? Because, oh, we're trying to make them happy, or or we're trying to make them like us, and sometimes we do that because we don't realize that if God loves you, I don't really care if anybody likes me personally hate to say it that way. I love y'all, but if y'all don't like me, I don't care. I don't. Why? (laughs) The fear of man is a snare, but those who trust in God will live safely, right? If I get caught up with trying to make sure all you guys are happy with me, I can't can't do what I'm supposed to do. Because I have some people say, oh, Benny, don't go to the mission field. It's, too, it's, it's, it's unsafe. Oh, Benny, you need to go and be bold for God. Oh, Benny, come back soon because we miss you so much. Oh, Benny, we don't care if you come back because we know God is using you. Right? Wait, okay, wait. Wait, but. Right? I'm being pulled in different directions. Why? I'm not singularly focused on God anymore. Singularly fo- I'm focused on the people around me. So what happens as Christians, we find ourselves, we can, you know, you might do things, oh, my wife wants me to do that, my husband wants me to do that, da-da-da. And that's not bad. I'm not saying it that way. But it's not till we comes, it's not till we come to terms with all these different groups pulling and pushing us to try and fit us into their mold do we find ourselves free from the frustration that comes from trying to please every group around us. And we do. We'll try to, okay, what does my community want? What does my church need? What does my family need? Right? One thing to remember is that our wives, and sometimes our best friend, they saw us before our kids. They saw us before we got that current job, before becoming a pastor or deacon, before a lot of other things that changed us and changed our behavior. Any of you, if any of you guys have a good friend who's been around you a long time, and all of a sudden you get a promotion at work and your friend says to you, dude, you've changed, right? And you're going like, no, I haven't. And they're looking at you like, yeah, you have. Because now that promotion has turned you into someone that you weren't, right? You were once singularly focused on God. And now it's like the job is like, oh, man, I got to please my boss. I got to make sure my, my, uh, my employees respect me and all my subordinates. And he's like, dude. What's up with that? Right? And we don't recognize that because, you know, it's kind of hard to recognize, you know, if we don't look in the mirror very hard. But that's what this is about. We get ourselves set and we do these things trying to please different groups. 
When singular focus on God, it doesn't matter where it falls. I'm going to do the best job I can in this organization because God has put me here. Not because i got to please the boss. Not because I need a raise. Because if you really need a raise, all you can do is pray. God will take care of that. Amazing how he does that. My, and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. Right? The promise is there. If you need more money, pray. Right? If you need more money, husband and wife, pray. Simple as that. And you know some God may not send you more money, but he could send you less bills. Right? That's the way it's happened for me. I have fewer bills than I ever had. Why? God's like, I'm going to make sure I take care of you. Right? Only Jesus Christ and his redemptive and regenerative work on the cross can cause us to be completely integrated in our mind, emotion, heart, spirit, and action. An unsaved man may have, certain, may have a certain amount of integrity. He may run a reputable business, honest with his books, always given more than is required to make his customers and suppliers happy. He may even attend all his children's athletic events, help them with homework, putting money aside for their college fund. Woohoo! He may even support community projects, feeding the elderly, sheltering the homeless, and giving to the SPCA. But is currently having an affair with his business partner's wife. Ouch. Okay. So now we're going to judge this man's integrity. His wife would be like, he has no integrity. Oh, but he keeps his books good. His business looks good. The kids are happy, right? But what about his business partner? He's not really happy that he's doing this, right? This man is supposed to have integrity. Well, he's unsaved. How, can, how much integrity can he really have? The desire to perform acts that communicate integrity is not actual integrity. You got that? The desire to perform acts that communicate integrity is not integrity. It looks good on the outside. It's as I started with, it's hypocrisy. It's playing a role. Because I can tell you that man's wife, she's not really sold on his integrity. His business partners, he's not either. Even though all his accounting may be actually perfect, he's not happy. It's like, dude. Get away from my wife, right? True integrity is not what you do. It's who you are, right? It's not what we do, and we get so caught up looking at how do I look? Everything looking good, right? Right? But somebody's like, "Uh, yeah, but you're falling apart in the other areas. You look good, but what you're doing is wrong. In Luke 6, 43 through 46, it says this. From a good tree brings, for a good tree brings not forth corrupt fruit. Neither does a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. For every tree is known by his own fruit. For of thorns men do not gather figs, nor do bramble bushes gather they grapes. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth that which is evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? It's easy to look the part. 
It really is. I did it, I did it many years. I looked good. I was doing all the right things at church. People looked at me and said, oh, he's such a good Christian. Yeah, I got up and I read my Bible and I did all the things that were expected of me in my, in my family. My mom would tell you I was one of the most obedient children she had, right? She would, and, it wouldn't, and I'm not stretching the truth in any way. She would, if I, she was here, she'd tell you that. But yet my heart was rebellious because I wanted to do my own thing. I was not singularly focused on being an, being an obedient servant of Jesus Christ. I was happy to do my own thing when the possibility arose. That is not integrity. As we know, character is who I am when no one's looking. Not when, you know, Ben's watching me. It's like, oh, yeah, he cooked real good the other day. What about when, I'm, what about when he's not looking? Is the way I cook still beneficial to those around me, or is it pleasing me? Right? There shouldn't be any different. Right? If you put a camera and followed my life, you shouldn't see any difference in me, in who I am, whether I'm here or in the mission field. That's the point of integrity, an integer, a whole number, a singular, right? Just as God himself says, I am one. He's not a multiple. Could you imagine trying to worship the Hindu gods? One is tell you, oh, I need you to bow. The other says, oh, I need you to stand up. The other one says, I need you to crouch halfway. The other says, I need you, right? How, how, would, you, how would you even please one of the Hindu gods? when you don't know what their demands are, right? One of the things we find when if we are not living lives that are integrated is we can destroy our own homes, right? It's really easy to destroy your own home. Because you're so busy trying to please the people around you. You could be trying to please relatives, job, whatever. And you disintegrate your own home because you have not paid enough attention to that. And I just wrote this kind of, bombs are designed to disintegrate, right? They are. Everything blows apart. Homes should not be that way. You should not walk into someone's home and the only thing you can see when you get there is havoc disintegration because they're just at each other's throat, right? Or they're not, they're so busy trying to please other people outside their homes that they haven't realized my first responsibility is to please God. And if I please him, then everything else is going to make sense around me, right? Romans 4, uh, Proverbs 4, 20 through 27 My son, attend to my words. Incline your ears to my sayings. Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the middle of your heart, for they are life to those that find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Keep your heart singular. Singular. What is your single focus? Is it pleasing you? Or is it pleasing God? If it's pleasing God, you'll never go wrong because he will always guide you on how to please him. Put away from you froward mouth, perverse lips put far from you. Let your eyes look right on. Let your eyelids look straight before you. 
Ponder the path. That means consider the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right hand nor to the left. Remove your foot from evil. If that's not integrity, I don't know what is. Guarding your mind, guarding your mouth, guarding the way you walk. Right? Proverbs 14, 2. He that walks in his uprightness fears the Lord, but he that is perverse in his ways despises him. And I kind of bantered about this one in my head. And I like that word. It says despises him. Who is he despising? Is he despising himself or is he despising the Lord? I would say yes. Right? <laughs> yeah, both of them are very fitting. Because if you walk in uprightness, you fear the Lord. But if you're perverse in your way, you're despising yourself. You're disintegrating your own life, your own soul, your own being. Why would you hate yourself in such a way to destroy yourself? But that's essentially what we're doing. Mark twelve twenty nine through 31. And Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, as I said earlier, Shema, to hear and do. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you will love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, you will love your neighbor as yourself. There is none other commandment. Right? I will love the Lord with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, and all my strength. Right? Little simple song that the, was it Maranatha did that one, something like that? You might remember that. Right? Just that simple. With all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Singularly focused. I've said it enough times, right? Singularly focused. All the other stuff in your life will disintegrate you if you are not focused on Christ. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. How about a quadruple-minded man, right? Or a triple-minded man, right? I've got to do this, and I've got to do that, and I'm focused on that, and I've got to please these people, and I've got to please this. No, God's saying, you focus on me, I'll direct your path. That, like I said, that part of Proverbs right there, my son, attend to my words, incline your ears to my saying. Listen to the Lord your God, period. Everything else will fall away. And you say, but it's so hard. Yeah, it is, but it's worth the fight. I can tell you that. It's worth the fight. I had a friend of mine call me and said, dude, I'm struggling so bad. And I said, yes, good. You're finally struggling. He would give in all the time. Every time something happened, he would just give in. <clears throat> give in to the sin. He would just give in to it. And he's like, dude, I fell again. I was like, get up, repent. Right? Finally, he said, I'm struggling. I said, but you're fighting back. You're not giving in. And he's winning now because he started to struggle instead of surrendering every time. Right? So to be singularly focused on the person, character, and glory of God the Father, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit 
singularly focused. Become an obedient servant of Jesus Christ. I don't care how you have to do it. I don't care what you have to go through to accomplish it. If you have to find yourself up in a cabin in the woods by yourself, if you have to lock your room and throw your TV away, if you have to get rid of every device in your house, if you have to have your wife or husband lay hands on you every day and pray over you, do it. The integrity that this world does not see must come from us. This world is disintegrating before your eyes. You hear what's going on in other countries. You know how they hate Christians because we refuse to give in to the foolishness. Why? We know there's a God in heaven that we are going to serve. That we will one day live forever with. They don't like that. They don't like that we have hope. One hope. We have the one hope. They don't like it. You must stand. You must live a life of integrity. You, that, you heard this band. What was up with that? Right? Well, what was up with it was everybody was playing it their own way. Right? That's why I said do it my way. Right? My way is whatever makes me happy. So I had Gerardo create a crazy beat. I had one of the guys playing in E, one guy playing in G, one guy playing in A. They're singing happy birthday over here, right? That's disintegration. The body of Christ, we must come together and support each other. We must come together and love each other. One body, one calling, one spirit, one father, who's called you all to this great work. That's where we are. And that's the society we live in. So if we don't have integrity, we can't very well expect anyone else to have it. We're the only ones who have the clue on how to live an integrated life. Singularly focused as obedient servants of Jesus Christ. If you have not absolutely surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, what are you waiting for? It's not going to get any better out there. They are going to come after you, and they're going to rip you apart. You, want to, you talk about disintegration. That's what they, they'd love to see Christians fall apart. They'd love to see Christians who will not stand when times get difficult. But you and me, we must stand. And I told some people on, on Wednesday night, I said, if you don't have a battle buddy, get one. Right? You guys remember Toy, Toy Story? Moving buddies. You need a battle buddy. You need somebody when times get hard that you can call and say, the battle's on. Fight with me. And they don't say, oh, I'm scared. Oh, the devil's going to get me. Please. You serve a great king. You serve a great king. Not some subpar king, not some wannabe king. You serve the one and only great king. He will guard you if you will fight. But you must fight. You must show up at the field of battle and be ready to fight. All right? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we are one in the bonds of love. You have created one church, one body to stand for you. 
you have created us to have, to be able to have a single focus looking to you, the author and finisher of our faith. You did the most difficult thing that could be done. You bore our sins on your own body that we might be free to live for you. Continue to equip us. Continue to speak to us. To continue to help us to realize that this world is not our home. And if it wants us out, that's okay. We never belonged here anyways. We are sojourners. We are just passing through. But as we pass through, let us make sure we stay occupied speaking your word, declaring who you are to all. They must know. They must have a chance to see the king of kings that we declare our great God and Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you. We praise you and we give you all the glory that is rightfully yours. All this we pray in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you, church. Let me just read this scripture to you one more time. Let me find it. For there is one body and one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Remember one thing, one thing, all right? God bless you guys. Have a good week.